the people you consider to be an outsider based on what whatever their thing is or your thing is who's the outsider and I'm here to tell you that in Christ you are one with them every single human distinction gets leveled out at that moment and we all have prejudices there's all those outsiders Picture someone who is most unlike you in their background, beliefs, and lifestyle. Now, imagine them saved. They're your brother or sister, part of the family of God. It may seem nearly impossible, but as we'll hear today, that's why the Apostle Paul was so astonished at God's plan. For everyone to come together in Him, Jews, Gentiles, every nationality, bonded by a Savior. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 2, with our continuing study entitled, The Messy Mystery. But notice the Apostle Paul doesn't play the victim in his imprisonment. He doesn't believe that it's inconsequential. He sees himself as a prisoner, as a mark of his apostleship. I think one of the greatest issues we have in contemporary American culture is that everybody plays the victim. We have a victim mentality. It's part of our entitlement. Because we live in a culture that loves to be entitled, every time things don't go right, we cry victim. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of us have very legitimate, you've been victimized. But a lot of the things that we throw out there as victims are really just the normal course of life's events. And so the Apostle Paul, if anyone could say, woe is me, I've just served the Lord and look at me, I'm in jail. He's like, no, no, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. I mean, think about, think about the intentionality in that statement. He's not like, man, just by happenstance, I ended up in jail. I I just don't know, I was just serving the Lord and I'm in jail. He's like, man, I'm a prisoner of Jesus. Talk about seeing God's handprint on our lives. So I think it's important for us because the Apostle Paul is so strong here. We should learn from that. I realize that life is messy and I realize that things don't go right. But I believe that playing a victim is a choice we make so we don't really have to see what God is really doing in our lives. And don't get me wrong. Some of you have extraordinary circumstances and I don't want you to feel minimized in having situations that are truly victimizations. But for a lot of us, we play the victim because we're not willing to trust God. Because trusting God does not change our circumstances. It changes us and our circumstances. We see ourselves through the lens of what God is trying to do to make us more like Jesus, as opposed to being like, Lord, I can't control my life. I can't control my circumstances, and I'm just mad. So one is founded in faith, and the other is founded in fear. One is founded in trust. The other one is founded in trepidation. 
And so the Apostle Paul, he sees his imprisonment. This is a God thing. I'm here by Jesus for you. And then he starts to explain his ministry in verse 2. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how by revelation, verse 3, he made known to me the mystery, as I've already written briefly, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of the gospel. The Apostle Paul says, look, God has given me a dispensation of grace. He's given me a stewardship. He's given me a charge to proclaim this mystery. And it's a special gift from God. Right? And then he goes on. He's like, listen, as you read what I'm writing, you're going to understand what I understand. You're going to realize that God, by revelation, has given me understanding about what's going on. When was the last time you saw the circumstances of your life as a stewardship and dispensation of grace as opposed to some sort of happenstance that you just have to endure? When was the last time we embraced our lives and said, God, what are you doing through this? How are you working through this? What are you trying to accomplish in me through this? Because the Apostle Paul sees his life in those type of terms. So he's talking about this mystery. That's why I remember I said, the mystery is that Jesus makes us one. And we really start moving into that in verse 5. Because look at what happens. He says, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of man, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Now, you see what he says here? He says that this mystery that he's been talking about in the other ages was not made known. So this mystery is not some secret thing. It's God's plan that now over the general course of time is being revealed. This speaks of the idea of, quote unquote, progressive revelation, that God has a special time when it was time for all the world to realize that the finished work of the Jewish Messiah was to make everybody one. There was traces of it in the Old Testament. It's there, but now it's in full bloom. It's not just a seed or, or a little stub, but now it's a radiant, a radiant blossom that tells us that God has always had this plan in his heart and mind. It wasn't for previous generations to understand it in its fullness, but now the time has come. Notice the instrument of revelation. It says this, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to the holy apostles and prophets. God's Holy Spirit is the instrument of revelation. That's who the Spirit of God is. He brings understanding and revelation. Now, if you're here today and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Spirit of God dwells in you. And I believe the Spirit of God wants to reveal things to each one of us uniquely and powerfully. But the Spirit of God speaks in a still small voice. 
And that's a challenging thing, isn't it? In a very busy, hectic, highly scheduled, overly caffeinated and stressful world. When was the last time you found a quiet spot and said, Spirit of God, reveal yourself to and in me? I know when I try and do that, the phone always goes off, the email thing dings, and a kid cries or something. But the Spirit is the instrument of revelation for us. And that's an amazing thing because oftentimes we think revelation comes through schooling. And don't get me wrong, I think schooling is a good thing. We're blessed we live in a culture with such access to education and information. But you might say, well, I can't go get an education. I don't have the resources. The beauty is, is that in Christ, you get a free endowment of the Spirit. And even if you don't know everything about everything, when you get to know who God is by revelation of his Holy Spirit, you're the most educated person in the world. But do we believe that? Do we believe that the Spirit still speaks today, reveals today, grants understanding today. So notice, the Holy Spirit has revealed this through the holy apostles and prophets. And in verse 6, we get the mystery in very clear terms that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. The mysteries that Jesus makes us one. He talked about it in chapter 2. He's coming back to it again. He's so excited about it. The Holy Spirit, through the finished work of Jesus, makes the Gentiles fellow heirs, partakers of the same covenant with the Jewish people. Now, that might not sound earth-shattering to us, but to the Apostle Paul, who was raised in the most religious of Jewish ways, for the Apostle Paul who, as I said last week, it was a very common prayer that Jewish people would say, Lord, I'm thankful that you did not make me a Gentile. Now, Jews and Gentiles, one of those great divisions in that day, brought together. Now, let me ask you, how many of you in here today are Gentiles? You don't, you're not Jewish background. Raise your hands. Yeah, look at that. A lot of us. That should rejoice in our hearts, that reality. Because before the finished work of Jesus, there were the people who were the descendants physically of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There was a very small number of people who converted to that. And then there was everybody else. And now we've been made one in Christ Jesus. This unity is so specific for the Apostle Paul that in verse 6, he makes up a number of words. And it's just got this prefix, S-Y-N, which means with or co or together. Three different concepts. We should be fellow heirs. We should be co-heirs. We should be of the same body, of one body. And then partakers or co-takers together of all that God has done. In the Greek, we don't get it in the, in the English, but in the Greek, this is over and over again. The Apostle Paul's making up words, putting this co-prefix on all these words. We're these things all together. In Galatians chapter 3, 
Verses 28 and 29, the Apostle Paul says it this way. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So what does this mean? I want, I want to apply this now for us. I said that the Apostle Paul and the Bible calls into question all of our prejudices. Who are the people you consider to be an outsider? Based on what, whatever their thing is or your thing is, who's the outsider? And I'm here to tell you that in Christ, you are one with them. Every single human distinction gets leveled out at that moment. And we all have prejudices. There's all those outsiders. I remember when we had Mission Connection here at Crossroads, there was a guy who came in dressed in full Arab Muslim clothing. And very quickly, people got very, very nervous. Right? Now, do you realize that someone of a Muslim background, if they put their faith and trust in Jesus, they're part of our family? Do you realize if you have very strong political views, and I'll be honest, I've never met someone who doesn't have strong political views. It's like if you have them, they're strong, and if you don't really have them, then they're really not strong, you're kind. So whatever your party is, do you realize that there's people in the other party who believe in Jesus and are made one with Christ, even though we don't agree on how things should go? I mean, that's a, that's a crazy statement, isn't it? Some of you are like, man, I'm emailing Pastor Daniel. He can't be saying that stuff. This is church. I mean, come on, Pastor Daniel. Are you telling me that those guys can really be saved? Yeah. Yeah, they can. Us too. Do you realize that someone could live their lives as a radical whatever sinner of whatever sort, and when they come to Christ, they are just as much family as those of us, which I wasn't, but those of you who were raised in the church, Someone coming with full face, body tats. And they're totally cool. One with you and me and all of us in Christ. Someone with AIDS. Someone with addiction. Someone of a different ethnic background. Socioeconomic status. Educational status. The profound nature of the finished work of Jesus is that the mystery is that Jesus has made us all one. All one. All who would believe. If you look around this sanctuary, or if you're in the chapel, you look around the chapel, if you're online, look around, you realize that there are people from every single tribe, nation, tongue, gender, background, who are together as the people of God. I think that's so cool. I mean, I know you guys think, you're like, man, if Pastor Daniel wasn't a Christian, I'd never want to listen to him talk. Right? Like, you'd see me in, in Fred Meyer, and you'd be like, that dude needs a comb. And some conditioner, you know. But in Christ, guess what? I'm your, I'm your little brother. Amen, right? But that's what Jesus does. Jesus makes us one in Christ. And I, I really pray that God, and I believe that God is going to battle in our hearts over these areas of biases and prejudices. Because we all have them. It's part of the fallenness of our, 
of our nature. And it's what Jesus is redeeming when we realize that, yes, the other person, the us versus them, them is also us in Christ. And that is a profound thing. So from there, look at what happens. Verse 8. He says, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Verse 9, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden by God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purposes which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Now, you see the Apostle Paul, he's, not, he's still excited about this. He's still talking about what we've been talking about. But what we get out of this is that God uses ordinary people to express extraordinary things. God uses ordinary people to express extraordinary things. The Apostle Paul is blown away. He's blown away by what he's getting to share, the, this mystery which has now been revealed. He's just like, whoa. Well, I mean, look at how it begins. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints. Now, that's an f- interesting phrase. You know what he's saying? He's like, the Apostle Paul is saying, look, I'm less than the least of all the saints. Now, if you read your Bible, and if you read all of the letters of Paul, what you find is Paul's got a number of these type of statements, a number of them. And it's interesting that if you line the letters up chronologically, we find a very interesting trajectory of the way the Apostle Paul looked at his own life. Let me give them to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9. One of Paul's first letters, 1 Corinthians. He says, I am the least of the apostles. He's like, out of the 12 apostles, I'm the low guy on the totem pole. Then now in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, he says, I am less than the least of all the saints. He was the least of 12. Now he's like, out of all the saints, I'm the least. You know what's interesting? Some of Paul's last letters, 1 and 2 Timothy. Listen to 1 Timothy 1.15. It says, Jesus Christ came to save sinners of whom I am chief. Do you see that progression? He was the lowest of the 12. Now he's the lowest of the church. And by the time he gets to 1 Timothy 1.15, he says, I'm worse than all the sinners. The apostle Paul grew by downward mobility. He started, I'm I'm the least of the apostles. And as time went on, he's like, I'm the least in the church. And now he's like, I'm the least of every person who's ever lived because everybody has sinned. That's what growth in Christ looks like. I'm here to tell you this. If you struggle thinking that you're the cat's meow, that you're all that in a bag of chips, that your chili is diggable, (laughs) or however you express it, I'm here to tell you, that if you can stay there, then you're really not walking with Jesus. You may be churched, but you're not walking with Jesus. Because the apostle Paul began, I'm the least of the apostles. And he's like, look, I'm the least of all the Christians. And then he's like, look, I'm the worst guy who ever lived. Because in the light of God's perfections, we see ourselves in all of our needs. And it's not 
condemnation. It drives us into the arms of Jesus. The Apostle Paul got that. That's why the people who've walked with Jesus the longest and truly are the most humble. And it's a weird thing. You'd think, well, they've walked with the longest. They would be maybe the least humble. They've been the most accomplished. No, no, no. Because the more you walk with Jesus, the more you realize that we are really sick and he is a really good physician. So if you're here today and you're like, look, I am really struggling, then I'm telling you, you're in the best spot. And if you're here today being like, man, I really wish Pastor Daniel would get done. There's a football game on. I've heard all this before. Well, maybe you have all heard it all before. I'm not telling you anything new anyway. But think about it. The Apostle Paul's upward progression was by going downward. As he walked with Jesus longer, he realized he was more in need than he ever realized. And that's why I say God uses ordinary people to express extraordinary things. Sure, the Apostle Paul had a great pedigree. But by the time he's done with his life, he's like, look, I'm the biggest sinner who ever lived. And I believe he believed that. And I believe some of us are like, "Uh, no, you weren't. You didn't know what I was going to get into. But that's the proper progression. The way up in God's economy is down. So, I I mean, isn't God's kingdom backwards? The first will be last. The last will be first. Crimson red sins plus the red blood of Jesus equals white as snow. That's a weird color wheel. One plus one equals one in God's math. One man plus one woman equals one flesh. That's the way God, God's kingdom is upside down, backwards that way. The way up is down. And as the apostle Paul walked with Jesus, he became less and less encouraged by who he was and more and more infatuated with who Jesus is. It's an interesting progression because he says, to me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, verse 8, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ Jesus. So you see, he's going back again. He's saying, look, he's saying, look, this is new. This has been hidden. Even though Jesus created everything, this mystery is hidden. Now, notice what happens in verse 10. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, that's a mouthful, isn't it? Everybody understands that one? I can just skip it? No. You're like... (laughs) Check this out. The ultimate goal of creation and redemption is the unveiling of God's wisdom. In God's wisdom, his work in the church teaches all of the angels. That's what these verses are telling us. That when the angels, all of the created realm that is not human or not earthbound, when they look upon a unified humanity, in Christ of Jew and Gentile, they're learning about God's wisdom as well. Jesus is I want to thank you so much for listening to Jesus at Israel Radio. It's exciting to me that you would take the time to listen to this. It is my distinct hope that each one of us would 
simply respond to Jesus. That's a big idea for me, for Crossroads Community Church, and for Jesus' Real Radio, that each one of us would meet with Jesus, what I like to say, at street level, because Jesus is right where you are. He is right there in the middle of your situation and in the middle of your circumstances. Jesus is right there, and Jesus wants each one of us to learn how to simply respond to him. What that means is that at every moment, Jesus prompts us and we take that step. And it's my hope for you as you're listening to this program that you would find yourself each day simply responding to Jesus more and more. You'll become more loving, more kind, more gracious, more generous, not just financially, but in every single area of your life. You find yourself desiring to serve others and not just hoping that everyone is there to serve you. When we simply respond to Jesus, we become closer and closer and closer to who God created us to be. And so we say that Jesus is real and he is and he exists right where you are and he is inviting you to partner with him in recreating the world. So Jesus wants to change the world and he is looking for available people, people like you and like me. So please, as you listen, simply respond to Jesus and engage yourself in the work of God's kingdom in your community and in your world. God bless you so much.